Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Box Office Bootleg. I'm your co-host, Robert. I'm co-host, Reggie. Welcome, everybody. Absolutely. Welcome, uh, welcome. July has been an interesting month. There's very few to choose from. Obviously, everything is Disney and Marvel. Disney and Marvel is our uh, god. It's it's our no, savior. No. It's our lord. no. On no. up high, the throne of angels for no. the box office. The only reason why the industry is not going to anything else. Um, and we still haven't been given any checks from them, considering how much we talk about these guys. But on the guy, whole God thing, I have to disagree with you. Because Amazon. Amazon is above Disney. Who mm, provideth? You asked Bezos, and he'll provideth. I, I, I would say that Amazon is the Shiva. Of um uh, of the pantheon of gods in this case, you know the many he is uh, uh, he is Shiva destroyer of worlds. You know, look upon me and all that oh, kind of come stuff. On. Yeah, See, but Disney like Disney only gives you entertainment. Uh, well, not necessarily it, with ESPN and ABC and well, all that kind they, of stuff. Do they own a bunch of servers? Hmm? Do they own a bunch of servers and not let the government yet. run it? Not yet. Not yet. Don't don't think that they're not gonna get their hands into that crap soon. They are yeah. absolutely well. That's the next big game. That's the next big game for them. I mean, Apple. Well, Apple's like like kind of getting into it. I, Apple's had that kind of thing, but of course, it'll be interesting to see like Apple being a competitor with everything going on. Yeah. But in the meantime, however, as far as like theaters and the box office is concerned, mm. it is still just way, way, way way super dominated by Disney, in particular with the most recent release of the Lion King remake, which did open pretty gargantuan, as we expected. Not quite the 200 like uh, I was pegging it at. It still opened at 186 million, so it is technically the highest opening for an animated film of all time. And just yesterday had the third best Tuesday of any film domestically, mm. period. Obviously, it's doing amazing gangbuster numbers overseas. And here domestically, considering that it's had a great Monday and an outstanding Tuesday, I mean, it's going to be 300 at the end of the week. It's probably going to be... 600, 700. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm picking... It, it, it's looking like it'll, it'll Black make, Panther it'll, numbers. Yeah, it'll make more. Honestly, it'll make more than um, Beauty and the Beast. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's guaranteed to with it's the like su- with those it. summer numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and just to like recap in general and everything. Um, interesting thing with Spidey. Uh, Spidey's doing really great. Uh, just to recap, did you see Spider Man? Oh yeah. Okay, what'd you think? We'll I start positive, it. then we're going to super Wait, negative. So. Spider Man. <laughs> Oh my god! I really love like like the uh, the recent Spider Man. Spider Man is in Spider Man as period yeah. is a great concept. You've had the movies, you've had the video game, you had Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, the comic books are doing really great right now. Yeah. It's just like if you're a Spidey fan, it's like we're we're in some really great era right yeah. now. Like the Renaissance of Spider Man. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, like really, like before that, you only had Sam Raimi. <laughs> like the only well the, the 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 prevalent thing and this is what I'm bringing into mm. it as far as like the comics is concerned is that Spidey 
has his own like colorful eras when it comes to like comic dumb. I mean, the whole thing that absolutely dominated the mid nineties was the clone saga. And I wouldn't be surprised if the MCU or Sony actually tackles that subject. I mean, considering how this movie ends, mm-hmm. they're absolutely willing to go in like a really risky, um, extreme direction with stuff. Yeah. But you never know. Maybe they might do the whole Ben Riley clone thing. You know? You never know. Hmm. You never know. No, but uh, Mysterio, like, like the, the, oh, the, Mysterio the, fight, was the fight sequences with Mysterio, it's like, like, like it's one of the highlights of the film. We, like, we like actually board, had, it, I think it beats like in terms of creativity, uh, Doctor Strange. He, like the way how like how he just like constantly messes with Spider Man and everything changes around him. And that's what Mysterio is supposed to be. He's supposed to be like a complete yeah. mindfuck. And we've had those kind of villains in other superhero movies so far. I mean, like, scare. Um, an example, I would say not necessarily movies, I should say in stuff like video games. Like, video games have kind of done, like, I, Mysterio, Scarecrow, you know, uh, I have, well, yeah, I haven't kind played, of stuff. Yeah, I haven't played those games yet. And, I mean, up until recently, like... This, is mean, clo- like, this movie was the closest we got to that, which I was, yeah. I was delighted by, <laughs> completely. It's like even then, it's like the only time, like even when you're watching the cartoon in the '90s, like the only, the I mean, I remember like Mysterio, I like you know, like I know who he looks like, but like to see his powers, like 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 to see the type of powers he can do, like you really have to see the comics, like really, I mm-hmm. mean, just to see like how like crazy, it, like how crazy the realities can warp around Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I, I was delighted by the whole thing. I thought that um, you know I had a lot of fun. Um, I would say that, um, but before the mid-credit sequence, though, and uh, spoiler warning, we'll put it in the thing. We'll tell you what yeah. time to skip once I have the actual uh, timeline. So make sure to look at the description. But all right, spoilers in three, two, one. So. Um, Alex Jones exists in this world, oh, yeah. and he's J. Jonah Jameson, which is, that is perfect, which is fantastic. It's like I want to see see a sequel of him just just like try to like pin Spider Man as number one, and I think people yeah. predicted that it would be Craving the Hunt, like like the way like there's a lot of like fun, Craving the so Hunter many, may be the one that might have to go there's after. There's so him. many fun ways that you can do it. You can do the Craving the Hunt, uh, Craving the Last Hunt. Uh, kind mm-hmm. of routine where it's like um, you could just imagine Craven the Hunter being this like Joe Rogan kind of dude mm-hmm. where like he appears on these shows where it's like yeah I could totally take on these superheroes oh. man I could totally take them down and being like wow you're doing a great service for America for going after this menace Spider-Man thank you Craven no it's cool yeah yeah uh, if I was on the airplane during 9-11 I totally would have stopped those terrorists like if they do Craven yeah. the Hunter is just like an absolute just like bull Shitter, which from what I heard, Sam Raimi was thinking about that for mm. Spider-Man Four. Uh, was thinking of doing Craven the yeah. Hunter with, of course, his with Bruce Campbell. He mm. was actually thinking of using Bruce Campbell again <laughs> as Craven the Hunter. But the reveal would be that Craven the Hunter was just like a guy that was like full of shit. Yeah, you know that it was just like. You know, well, he was just a fake. If they were going to do that, then they probably will have him team up with the Punisher. 
where the Punisher, uh, like where the Punisher may be the one that's well, doing the uh, like that's doing the uh, like the dirty work. I, maybe, but I would say the more obvious one is that clearly we have candidates for a Sinister Six. You know, we mm-hmm. already know that Vulture's there, Scorpion's there. We already saw like them kind of like alluding to that, so yeah. we could see Craven get desperate. You know, kind of like going his old arc where it's like. Like Craven, the last hunt, the story where Craven becomes obsessed to the point of like having a mm. mental breakdown of him trying to kill Spider Man. And I, I could see you could do a fun thing where it's like he breaks out, you know, these mm. supervillains from Riker's prison, you know, just to take down the Spider Man. And then or, there you go, you have a. Or you sh- have the game pen. Like you, like you do the game pen and you uh, round up the game. I, I think. I think with any of the characters from the Netflix series, I think they're going to do, they're probably going to have to do some distance between it. Because if they're going to get introduced into um, Spider-Man, into the Spider-Man universe, I think you get into some really tricky legal stuff. Because those are characters that you would be giving to Sony to use as opposed to you using these characters I mean, like, on like your own. Again, you know? like Sony like again, I I mean I would it would have passed uh, it would have passed by me if if they like if they put in uh the Kingpin because they did they already did it in the Spider-Verse. Like like they already have him in the Spider-Verse. I know it's 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 gonna be some type of thing where you're going to have to do like a round table between Netflix, between Marvel Studios and between Sony. And when it comes to something like that, sometimes it, what sucks is that sometimes it just goes to the paperwork. Like I would love if it was Vincent Duraffolo, uh Oh, God, I'm butchering this last Duraf- name. Uh, no. Vincent Donofalo. Uh, no. Vincent. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Vincent D. Vinny D. Well, it's a hyphen. It's D hyphen O N F O R I O. Duafalo? Or look, it's Private Pile. That's all you need to know. He's Private Pile. Yes. He's <laughs> he's also inexplicably in like three, four different horror films where he's the <laughs> exposition guy. Like inexplicably. He's just like in a good assortment of these films where it's like, you know, the uh, curse of the book and blah, blah, blah. And it's like oh, he's no. always just fucking but, there. Well, he also, but he was also the villain. You remember the cell with Jennifer Lopez? Oh my God, he was in that. Yeah, he was also in. Um, <laughs> he was also the kind of bad guy, but not really bad guy in Jurassic World. The man, yeah. the man works oh, no, on he a was, lot of he films. Was, he was a cockroach in uh, Men in Black. Uh, he was amazing in Men in Black. That's one of my favorite <laughs> villain roles of all time. Pass me sugar water. <laughs> if you saw a cockroach on the floor. Would you take the wings off a fly? <laughs> and I fucking love him. It's one of my favorite villains. Just period. It's like I, I I need that kind of like commitment and energy in everything. That's one of the fucking reasons that like you know like Venom is a bad movie. But I'm pretty sure Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy probably watched like. Uh, Vincent in uh, in Men in Black because like his performance in Venom is. Very similar to how he is in Men in Black. It's like it's it's the same energy. 
It's the same energy where it's just like sweating profusely, just like jerking, just like, eat a lobster, eat it. It's great. It's great. But, um, so, but, but speaking of Venom and speaking of Sony, it's like Sony, whatever type, I did read a report. I don't know if it's how much you can validate it and everything, but it said if this movie underperformed, Sony basically would be able to still mess around with Spider-Man on their own terms. But the movie actually ended up being the movie is now the highest grossing international Spider-Man of all time. It's Mm. technically the highest of the franchise, which is which which is interesting in the sense that, like, when the first Spider-Man came out in 2002, you know, the international market wasn't that big of a thing yet is in particular China obviously like the uh, the Chinese market wasn't nearly as big of a thing and it's fascinating just people really need to understand how big those movies were you know when you take it to account inflation that first Spider-Man you know the first Spider-Man was the first movie ever to open over a hundred million and Mm -hmm. you know we're in a day and age where we just had Avengers Endgame open up over 300 million so it's it's an insane in -hmm. perspective but with inflation and all that kind of stuff the first spider-man was 620 million with inflation which is i mean it was a big deal it was a big deal when it came out yeah and um you know so but spider-man the biggest advantage that it's always had is that it's a international commodity it's the easiest superhero to be able to sell in other markets because mm. you have the full mask it's the most approachable he's just like a regular kid with a whole bunch of bullshit that he's trying to deal with yeah you know he, he's relatable and it's the easiest to be able to interject yourself into it and i mean it, it's it's really spoiled right now i mean i love the um ps4 game like mm. story-wise like the story in that game's awesome like i i i um, really love the script. I really love the gameplay. Like I'm, I'm close to 100% in it. I need to download the DLC. Um, have you, you said, did you finally get a PS4 or are you about to? No, I did get a PS4. It's just okay. I've been busy with work and stuff. Oh, of uh, course. Like, get Spider-Man. To, it's a single no, player no, game. So no, we wouldn't play. No, like, no, it's, no, I did Support no, single no, player games for the love of God. No, no, I do have the Spider-Man PS4 bundle. Oh, so, you did! Oh, so, so you already have it. Okay. So I already have it. It's just awesome. It's just you know sitting there collecting dust while I'm like you know I'm like trying to get like my affairs in order and like still working. Okay. But uh, you know, but uh, any like the um, crap. <laughs> I don't know what was it? like. Like I just like. Uh, well, well, it, it, we we could say that like Sony. Yeah. Is of course like they got a Venom sequel coming down yeah. the pipeline. Morbius, which is an interesting thing, uh, where you have Jared Leto playing Morbius the Living Vampire within this universe, and that's an interesting. Mm, I I really don't because like like they were trying to do a Silver and Black spinoff where it would have been about Black Cat and Silver Saber. Yeah, um, but that one seems like it's on the back burner. I think it's because they want to see because Venom, of course, surprised the hell out of everybody being like an international blockbuster. I mean, it fucking made eight hundred and something million dollars. Wow. 
like is it more than Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad? Uh just about international. Just like, international. I mean, like. It, worldwide actually internationally i believe that it did <laughs> actually make more than those two fucking god things. damn <laughs> international overseas audiences for some fucking reason loved venom. i think i think they it's just, loved venom. i think it's because it's just an alien movie it's just a sci-fi like horror like horror film where where i think they, that's how they marketed that which is surprising because i've always associated venom as more of like a specifically 90s culture comic book character where if if we're going to like the issues with Spider-Man 3 because Mm -hmm. a a little background information see originally what Sam Raimi wanted to do with Spider-Man 3 the two villains were going to be Sandman and the Vulture like Tobey Maguire was mm. gonna play the Vulture because in the comic books the Vulture um, wait, had wait which wait Vul- wait Tony Tobey Maguire, Maguire was gonna play the Vulture like when he no, was Tobey, high- no Tobey Maguire Spider Man oh I'm sorry shit uh, Topher Grace Topher, I'm uh, sorry I'm sorry Topher Grace was gonna play the Vulture huh. they were gonna do a little twist because in the comic books. I don't think it's as prevalent in the current interpretation, but when the Vulture was first introduced, the Vulture, uh, one of his main motivations was extracting youth from people. Like, he was obsessed with becoming young again because, like, the way that he was drawn, he was drawn as, like, a gangly old man, and, like, it was Hmm. literally him being, like, a Vulture stealing youth from people. You know, and the twist that they were going to do is that when we saw the vulture, he was going to look like, you know, an old man. And then we would see like Topher Grace in the Daily Bugle as like a secondary character. And then the twist would happen where we see that, oh, he was the vulture all along. What happened, though, is that Sony Pictures got cold feet where it's like people aren't going to fucking see a movie with like an old dude, you know, as like the main villain, especially if you're going to try to do this like twist. Right. Yeah. So they pressured him to do Venom. Hmm. It's like incorporate Venom. I don't fucking care how you do it. Put Venom in this movie. And Sam Raimi, um, there's different like past interviews that you can find at like different like comic conventions where mm-hmm. he was always strictly a silver age dude. Right. Yeah. He was always a Silver Age. He loves that fucking rogues gallery. You're Sandman, you're Rhino, you're Doc Ock, you're... Yeah. Um, like, he's in love with those characters. Yeah, I mean, like, and he, he grew... Uh, I mean, like, he's pretty much, like, around Silver, the same age, the well, same age as our dads. I mean, well, like, Silver yeah. Age. The Silver Age characters, which yeah. for Spider-Man is where most of his famous characters come from. Yeah. Venom represents that, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, super, like, grunge fucking giant shoulder pads skinny waist you know mm. um, fucking giant guns cable uh, Rob Liefeld Tom McFarlane era I mean mm. you know Venom was uh, you know partially co-created or I should say I don't think it was, I don't think Tom McFarlane co-created Venom but clearly he was pretty influential with the design because like he yeah. bounced over created spawn and spawn of course had yeah. like so many fucking design elements from venom respectively and yeah sam Raimi just never really dug venom as a character 
you know, he just kind of considered him shallow, kind of considered him a little bit too, like, of that extreme era. Mm. Extreme with the X-verse wrench, because you know they're fucking serious about how fucking extreme it is. Yeah! <laughs> fucking chains around it. I mean, like, again, it, it, like, when you're... It was not a good era. Story, I mean, like, even when you talk about the story, it's like, how Venom was, brought, uh, was born from, like, a symbiote, like, uh, from a black suit, like, he decided to, like, change, like, Spider-Man's outfit. Well, you know what's hilarious is that technically Spider-Man was introduced with the black suit in the original Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Before they even explained it. Like, uh, Secret Wars was, of course, like, the first big, like, blockbuster crossover with all the different Marvel series where, like, mm-hmm. all of the characters, X-Men, Avengers, Spidey, Fantastic Four, all of them mm-hmm. uh, were brought into, you know, the same kind of conflict. And Spider-Man in issue three, I want to say, just shows up with a fucking black suit. Just straight up shows up with it. And they didn't actually explain how they how he got the black suit until like six months afterwards in like his original series. So, um, yeah. So the whole like reason he got a black suit in the first place is like pretty arbitrary. They were just like, Spider-Man hasn't had a new suit in like 25 years. What can we do? Black kids like black suits. Alright, he's in a black uniform now. Okay, great. It's the same thing that sports teams do, Rich. Really? It's one of my pet peeves with with teams incorporating <laughs> um, there's a phrase like, one of my super nerdy mm-hmm. hobbies is like uniform and logos for sports teams. Yeah. And the phrase is BFBS. Black for black sake. It's like if a team introduces, like, a black uniform just because they think it's, like, mm-hmm. cool and edgy for the kids, even though it has nothing to do with the identity, then it's BFBS. <laughs> like, uh, the most egregious example I could think of is, like, the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. Like, two, three years ago, they introduced, like, a full, like, black red-lettered, like, black shirt, black pants, too. So it looks like a unitard. I... It's it's it's, it's not it a good again. Look. It's not I a good look. Follow, like I didn't follow the San Francisco Forty Nine ers so it probably slipped my mind. Like when they had the black suits. Yeah, it's but, it, it, it's just it's it, it was a crash grab look yeah. and just Sam Raimi and just Venom. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like Venom. Venom's a cool, crazy design, and there's a lot of cool shit that they've done with the character. Um, in the comic books that are really awesome, but I won't get into it. Um, but yeah, Sam Raimi was pressured into doing Venom in the first place, which is crazy. Um, but beyond that, though, uh, yeah, Spider-Man, great stuff, cool stuff. Can't wait to see what. What do you think about the end? uh, The end. uh, I mean, the the end sequence where oh, the revealed yeah when they revealed that uh, Nick Fury was a scroll in disguise. Oh, well, the cool shit with that is that, you know, that's kind of like introducing stuff. uh, That's introducing like stuff like S.W.O.R.D., which Mm -hmm. is the complementary program to S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. their intergalactic offshoot. Okay. Yeah. So like if there's international stuff that Mm -hmm. they're coming into conflict with and there's huge ramifications with that, where the fact that like Nick Fury is out in space with the scrolls in space with the giant space station there's huge implications and of course we just saw the gargantuan announcement that yeah. uh, marvel studios made with their phase four 
only a two year, mm. only a two year phase. They've actually said that um, even though they are working on Black Panther two, Guardians of the Galaxy three, mm-hmm. um, uh, Captain Marvel two, and of course a new Blade. You know, Mahershala yeah. uh, Ali is our new Blade. You know, yeah. which is pretty unexpected. It'll be amazing. No, well, I think it'd be pretty amazing. He'll do great. I hope they introduce him in like the new Doctor Strange because it's like, um, I think that I, uh, well, vampires and mysticism have to go hand in hand. They have to. I think. Well, I mean, again, judging by how they explained that Doctor, the new Doctor Strange movie, it's going to be a horror. But they may introduce like you might be right. They may introduce introduce some damn vampires. Jesus. Well, that's what I'm saying. They may yeah. introduce Blade through Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like the most obvious way to be able to introduce him. You know, like, what um, is that? Like, what date did they give Doctor Strange? Oh, they're giving they're giving that one a pretty prominent one. It's May fifth, two thousand twenty one. So they gave it a May date, which is like okay. They're expecting this one to be a pretty big launch <laughs> platform, especially because um, we know that the Scarlet Witch is going to be in the movie, mm-hmm. which incorporates the WandaVision uh, series that's going to be coming out spring 2021 on Disney+. Plus. Huh. And that one is going to have the... Like, uh, the little girl Monica from Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, they casted the older version of her in that one because Monica mm-hmm. Rambeau becomes the second Captain Marvel in the comic books and mm-hmm. she becomes Spectrum her own hero for a little bit too mm-hmm. so they're already they're prepping up so much shit where it's just like it's it's crazy to think that like they're using Disney Plus as this kind of like incorporating thing with it's insane it's insane it's insane but it makes you wonder that that like when like again Whenever, like, again, like, growing up, you know, like, you know, like, all of us growing up, like, the 90s, all that stuff, whenever, like, a movie that's appeared in theaters, we always associate it with either less quality, or, like, we value the movie less. We value that property less mm-hmm. than, you know, if it was, like, shown on the big screen. Like, for example, like, you got all these, you know, in the 90s, you had all these Disney, made for, you know, Disney, like, directed DVD, se- you know, directed video sequels. Yep. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's always like low quality and it's like, you know, but we're, into, we're in a new crazy world now where um, especially Disney having a platform like Disney Plus, you know, where. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about like the platform that is directly leaning into stuff that has the actors in it, which is a big get. I mean, the fact that something like Winter Soldier and the Falcon mm-hmm is not only going to have, like, Baron Zemo coming back, it's going to have Sharon Carter Mm -hmm. coming back. And, you know, they've even said that, yeah, Falcon will probably be able to be Captain America in the series. And Mm -hmm. it's like, so you're directly continuing on from that. And the interesting thing is that that allows the movies to be the riskier things, which is kind of cool. Like, The Eternals, I have no fucking idea how an Eternals I, movie is going to work. I don't know. Like, I don't know either, but... Again, they got Angelina Jolie, they got Selma Hayek, they got, like, an incredible cast for it, but... Uh, they're, they're fucking doing it. They're going ahead with it. But, it's crazy. Again, it, it's just one of those things where... Where it's like, really? I mean, like, really, though? It's like... I mean, like, how... like I mean, like, how many people are, are going to... Like... 
I'm just wondering how many people are going to be like how much of these Marvel properties on Disney Plus is going to retain viewership. Because like when you look at uh, when you look at like the Netflix like the shows on Netflix, you know like everyone was cool with like the first seasons of Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and um, Jessica Daredevil and Luke Cage. Iron Fist didn't give a shit about, and then the Defenders was like meh. And then you know, like, and then when you start introducing the other properties, it's like you had all these ups and downs. Where, but but with this one, I think it's like the Defenders experiment. Uh, we can call it that. The Defenders mm-hmm. experiment is them still trying to do it, but still trying to do it with the traditional. You know, it's crazy to think how much has changed just in like four or five years. Where it's mm-hmm. like you know, at a certain point, there was even rumors that you know. The big get that Disney was thinking before they went ahead and got 20th Century Fox was getting Netflix. There's a lot of rumors that Bob Iger was seriously contemplating doing the big get, where it's like, what is the big gesture that we could be able to do to be able to sustain our platform? And they did contemplate getting Netflix. They backed out and they realized we can literally be our own Netflix. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why they went ahead and got 20th Century Fox. That's why we're getting Disney Plus launched. And now they have a unique ecosystem where they can be able to do these kind of shows where you have the people from the movies being able to do these specific. And they've already said they're basically mini series, respectively. So they're not going to be like, you know, the uh procedural kind of thing where it's right. like which was a big issue with the Netflix shows where it's like they still kind of have to play by the rules it's like you have to have 13 episodes you have to have this kind of like structure mm. and respectively even though well, even though uh, I feel like for most of those shows as much as I've enjoyed them you could have made them 10 episodes or you could have you could have even made them eight you know but, make it tighter don't make us just like linger around with the stuff I think well again it like Netflix like I mean like with Netflix they're still hiring like TV writers like the only people that were actually playing with that mini series format is HBO mm-hmm. I mean like you look at like it's like some of the recent acclaimed series where it's like the night like the night after um, night of you think of the night of you had like the night of Big Little Lies mm-hmm. uh, like that's still that's still like like pulling in like numbers and you know you have um, uh, I'm trying to think of like what was it like was it another like miniseries? Well, oh, I mean, Chernobyl. Like, well, Chernobyl, Chernobyl was only five, so they kept that one super super yeah. tight. So I yeah. mean, like, so again, it, it's it's one of those things where the where you know like HBO like HBO is like the only one like the only like per, like only uh, company in town is like like messing around with the formats yeah. while like like Netflix is still like adhering to like television, even though. The, the seasons are shorter, like say, like ten, like ten to twelve, ep- like ten to thirteen episodes. They still, you know, they still are lockstep with, you know, right, like, what right. the like, you know, like the current uh, uh, landscape. Yeah. So yeah, um, and, and with that lead in, we got to go to the big thing that Disney did just release. Yeah, we got to talk about Lion King, Reg. What did you think of Lion King? Well, I'm not just going to lion around, but... Waka I, waka. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought the movie was underwhelming. I mean, what do you expect? You're you're getting the Lion King. I mean, like you're rewatching the Lion King, and and because it's not based on like an original property, like say the Jungle Book or Cinderella. There's this little artistic liberties you can do to like break from the original film structure. So everything that you see feels really familiar. Now I will like highly pr- like now here's the things that I will praise the film for like the visuals they're absolutely gorgeous like I, like I wouldn't be surprised like the the te- like the visual effects like the teams are going to like win awards and get you know all the recognition for all like spectacular work that they which put is on the, the main reason why they didn't say it was an animated film so we can qualify for those award nominations if I mean, we're like, being honest well, I mean like these like I mean, it is what it is but but again like for um like you know like the, the cast is they they were great on paper I mean like you know the cast they had was great on paper they you know put in their best efforts um like like the highlights of the film I would say is Zazu and Timon and Pumba mm-hmm. um like because <laughs> like because like with Zazu Zazu, like he's voiced by John Oliver, so whenever I see him on screen, it's like I'm not like I'm not like everyone's used to like hearing Rowan Atkinson, who's Mr. Bean in the original one, but and the <laughs> only voice actor who refused to come back for The Lion King 2. Really? The only one. In The Lion King 2, every single principal actor from the original film came back to reprise the role, including the actor who voiced Rafiki, even though three months before recording, he had suffered a stroke and he still showed up to still reprise Rafiki. The only person that refused to come back was Rowan Atkinson. (laughs) Everybody else came back except him. So I I just needed to interject with that. It's like, really? A fucking guy suffers a stroke and he comes back, but you're too good for a direct-to-video sequel. Excuse me, Mister Bean. It's still like it's still a direct-to-video sequel. I mean, like, well, excuse me. Oh, come on, dude. It's like (laughs) the high (laughs) standards of Rowan Atkinson of Johnny English fame. Although Blackadder is still brilliant, watch (laughs) Blackadder. Anyway, like with Zazu, like I feel that he like he was about to go into his last week uh, tonight's uh, night bit on like how the African monarchy is terrible and how we should overthrow it. It's like every time when he appears on screen, it's like well, I'm waiting for that moment where he's like turning to the audience and like and lecture them. Just be like, well, someone think of the horny salamanders <laughs> lost in space. Bring back the horny salamanders. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, but then with Timon and Pumbaa, like you know, they they like the actors uh, like Billy Eichner and and uh, Seth Rogen, they you know they were funny, you know, riffing off of each other, and and um, like they did a good job with Kuna Matata. Um, but other than that, like, but other than that, like the problem, the problem with the movie is is they they took the time they took the time and effort to make the movie so naturalistic that they forget that animals don't emote 
So you have like these intense I'm, I'm, scenes. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> it's like you have these intense scenes with like Nala and like Donald Glover. But I feel, like, but I feel like, but I, I couldn't, refer, uh, but I couldn't help myself but like laugh, laugh at the fact that you got these like couple arguing at each other. But it feels like they're dubbing over a nature doc. Or you know the specific thing that I thought about with those scenes, and yeah. then I could get into my random. Yeah. Um. The, the, the way that they did it is, like, because they made it look so realistic, my personal theory about how they had to direct the actors and how they emoted with the characters is that they probably had to be 20% less emotional because they probably realized if you had a character acting, like, super angry or super emotional or super sad... It wouldn't make any sense with how the creatures look within the movie. In fact, there's certain there's some scenes, Reg, where I feel like it's the same thing that I yeah. know that they have to deal with in like those talking dog movies, right? Yeah. Like with Beverly Hills drama with show dogs, where it's like they probably have to tell the actors, right? Where okay, you can't sound too aggressive. I'm thinking no, like whenever like a main character is no 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 no. no. Like here here's the like here's the thing about like my thing on the dog movies. Like dogs, like again, dogs are a little bit different because we like we as humans we project emotions onto dogs. So it doesn't matter what it does. Like sometimes it'll like show its teeth. It's like oh, like we don't know if it's like smiling or angry. But whatever, like, by whatever the moment that we feel, like, that's, we just sort of project it on to that animal. It's just that, you know, in the, in cats, the, like, cats and, like, in cats and, like, other animals in general, we don't have that emotional connection. So it's hard for us, like, so it's hard for us to, like, again, it's like, with dog movies, they have a handicap thanks to, a, like, thanks to our relationship with the animals. Like, but in a filmmaking sense, mm. what I mean is that, you know, a dog can't be able to like you've seen the scene a million times, right? Where it's like you'll see the characters going to like, you know, oh, we got to sneak in. But then it'll be like a Wattwaller or or like a pit bull. Yeah. And it'd be like, you guys get out of here. This is my territory. But like. You know that the voice actor can't sound too angry because it would sound kind of ridiculous because at the end of the day, filmmaking rise, we know that it's just a trained dog that's probably looking at its trainer's light. So, of course, it's not going to look like actually like emotively pissed off and everything. So they probably have to tell the voice actor, hey, don't go too much into it. You have to like act with it's like but dubbing. Well, it's well, dubbing over footage, but, and Lion King felt like you're literally dubbing over an episode yeah. of Planet Earth. No, it's like more like Meerkat Manor. It's like, like you know, exactly. But again, but again, it's like with the talking dog movies. It's like we, I'm like we grew up with these fucking movies, like Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. It's like you got like you, know, uh, you got these uh, Sally Field, Michael J. Fox, and. Uh, was it was it um, Paul Newman? Was was it Chance? Oh no 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 no! It was some older. Oh. It was like it was a well known actor that they that, that they had, but they were they, again they were voicing animals, but they get they still do their like they do their animal things. It, it it's them yeah. dub. 
like the emotional disconnect that you have with a lot. I feel like one of the only movies where it works is Babe. Like Babe. Like Babe, I feel like is the only one that's been able to get like the actual like voice acting to work with the characters. But just the, because like, but there was I, a lot of trickery with with that film because it was a mixture of animatronics, like exactly, like, exactly. Animatronics, trained animals, and also like like digital manipulation. And exactly because they probably understood in a filmmaking sense where it's like, okay, how are we going to be able to get like specific emotional moments out of these animals? And they probably realize, well, sometimes we just have to cheat it. Like another movie I thought about is Cats and Dogs, where it's like the villain, you know, Snowball or whatever it's called. Ninety percent of the footage with the uh, with the villain is when it's an animatronic, which makes sense because if you have like a villainous melodramatic character, you're not going to get that out of a fucking trained Hollywood cat. You know, you're going to have to fake it. And in, in, in this movie with Scar and so many different characters and so many different characters, it's like you can't have Scar be his like Shakespearean, almost a feminine, dramatic self. You know, you can't mm-hmm. do that. It wouldn't yeah. make sense because of how you've designed the character. And w- with as much, like, reasoning that I'm sure that they had, where it's like, okay, we have to tell our voice actors to be at this level so it doesn't contrast too much with how realistic the animals work. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It is an animated movie. You guys literally could have done whatever the fuck you wanted to be able to sell it. You you could have made it colorful. You could have done something. You notice that so much of the dramatic scenes, you notice that the voice is off camera. Like, after Scar, you know, approaches mm. Simba, you notice that a lot of those moments is when the camera is pointed away from Scar because they know that it wouldn't connect with how the animal looks. And if you have so many issues with how your cast can be able to perform with these creatures, why the fuck did you do it this way in the first fucking place? Again, that's, again, they felt that... It's the big fucking quagmire. That was the biggest thing that infuriated me with the movie. It's like, there's nothing that justifies why you guys decided just to make the prettiest episode of planet earth you know but mm. with like voice actors that sound like they're 80 percent energy because mm. you have to tell them to be 80 percent energy because otherwise it wouldn't fucking make sense with the way that you designed these characters it's the yeah. big reason why timon and pumbaa work because they're the only characters that were allowed to actually have like comedic beats you know, well, I mean, you can use the power of animation to sell humor and a joke. What an amazing concept! Well, well, even, even in the, the bits, like even, even the small bits with the other animals, like in that in that uh, area where Simba was living in, yes. like it's like it's still like the you kind of feel like the humor, like you know the humor, even though it's like like because the real animal. You could make them animated, like even when they're doing yeah. like. When uh, like when Simba was scaring the shit out of the antelope, it's like like he was still like he still like darted up, you know, like oh he heard something and then you know yeah. So it's like you allowed like the comedic beats to actually have like animated elements, but the most emotionally important moments of the film, 
And when you're remaking Lion King, there are certain moments that you need to sell. And if I am embarrassed after watching them, and I'm just gonna get into it because apparently I got I got chewed out for spoiling that Mufasa died. Mm. You know, Mufasa dies, guys. I'm sorry. You yeah. know, but fucking uh, Tyler, uh, <laughs> fucking uh, uh, Tyler Durkin's a figment of his imagination. Uh, Darth Vader's Luke's father. Uh, the, the Rosebud was his slave. All right, there you go. All right. Uh, oh, oh, and uh, it, it's people. It's people. Soylent Green is people. It's a good book. People. I mean, like, I it's mean, a like, good what book. Else? I mean, like, what else are we going to spoil? It's a good book, people. It's a good book. <laughs> but um. That scene, I swear to God, I swear to God, like, it, it, they do the digital zoom. Oh, Please the, tell me what you felt in that scene the, the, when you like, watched. It, it was just so weird because it's like, it like, it's like, that's, that's like, why is it like, why is it a zoom? Uh, like, why is it a zoom? Like, why is it like just because a, it a was in, or, like it was in the movie? Reg, obviously, you have to replicate iconic shots. But again, do it shittier. <laughs> like again, yeah, that one, yeah, that one. It's almost like in. It's almost like zoom. in animation, you can pull off shots that you can't pull off in live action. Wow, such a fucking crazy concept. Oh no! Wait. <laughs> if only no, favorite, there was a favorite. medium of art, Reg, and cinema oh, no, they, that you could do to sell like that they, shot. They do back. try to make it more violent by having Scar bitch slap the faucet and love. No, <laughs> leave the king. <laughs> no, like, oh! the awkward, <laughs> the awkward fall, and just like the way that I'm sure they thought in their head is like, oh, we have to realistically shoot it because we have this whole fucking virtual camera set up where you know we 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 want to shoot it as if we're like a third person viewpoint seeing something happen naturally. Mm. I'm sure they fucking gave themselves that pitch. As opposed to like shooting what has the most dramatic impact, like in the fucking original, or what you would do in basic filmmaking. There's so many things where it's like there's basic rules of filmmaking that I felt like this fucking did, movie again, didn't even again, fucking do. No, no, it did follow the basic rule of filmmaking, but again, it, it like, but again, the, their whole approach is. We want to do as much as we can, but we want to make sure that everything looks natural. That there's no like there's no human touch to this, because again, they can easily color grade the film to look you know like to give it a more saturated look instead of like looking like like we looking like oh you know, like god. a Disney like I a Planet so, Earth doc. Oh my god, the color grading in this thing was was probably the second thing that bothered me the most about it. It's like everything is midday. Everything is like grayscale, you know, color, uh, fucking Africa surprise everybody if you just go see this movie, you know, and think, oh, Africa, wow, Africa looks so realistic. And it's like, it, Africa's fucking beautiful and colorful. It has those saturations. Like one of the big inspirations for the aesthetic for the original Lion King was them going to Africa and being like, wow. There's so many beautiful colors. There's so many different hues mm -hmm. within nature, within like the sunsets, within the within the creatures, within life. 
you know, these reds, these golds, these greens, you know, these like powerful, natural, yeah. beautiful colors. Well, you and got those this movie, just... they, they're committed so much to making it look as realistic as possible that like there's shots that just look like, why the fuck did you comp uh, make it this composition? Like when they go into the Elven graveyard, you know, it's like. It just looks like midday. It looks like yeah, you're at a fucking. It, 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 it looks like you're at like some marble fucking mine or something. Yeah. It looks like you're at a construction site. Yeah. Wow, guys, great mood. I really feel threatened by this like brightly again, lit midday grayscale fucking area. It's again, again, it's like they they wanted to like what they wanted to make it feel natural. It's like what, but what can you naturally. Do? You can still make it look basic rules of like storytelling. They, and color I said, and they, I said they did follow the rules of storytelling. It's just they didn't take it to like they just didn't like give it an extra hand. Like when when he returns to the Pride Lands, yeah. and when he returns there, it's like it's still midday. It's like guys have clouds, make it look sad and blue and clean. Like, okay, so like one of the part, parts that I did miss is the whole uh, like when his father appeared in the clouds because it's just fucking clouds, Reg. Did you miss that part? I know it's clouds, but what they did is it's, they, it's they just, used like they used lightning to like to uh, like like have the outline to of her father. Him. Yeah. But but here's the thing. I like that's one of the things that I that I really did miss. It's like it's like yeah, it, it's not realistic, but it was powerful to see like his father in the sky hey, telling him. You know what, Rich? I'm 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 glad that we yeah. had the five minute scene about the single hair from Simba. Oh, that's that's a danger. <laughs> uh, to Rafiki. I'm so glad that we got. <laughs> we had five minutes of that. And the, <laughs> you, you brought up the Mufasa scene. I'm just going to say, no. One of the one of the biggest scenes that they cut out. Remember, after in the original, mm. after Simba sees it, you know, Rafiki is like being like, "Oh wow, quite crazy weather, right?" And Rafiki, I don't know what the fuck they did to Rafiki. Like Rafiki is such like a completely you know arbitrary character in this one. Like they just have like, him speaking like a foreign language half the time, and like he's not like. You know, interjecting as a sage. But the big scene, Reg, remember, after he sees Mufasa in the clouds, you know, mm. Rafiki comes over and it's like, you know, Simba's still like, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, it's in the past and everything. Yeah. You just have to move on. And then remember, Rafiki yeah, 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 hits yeah. Simba on the head and it's like, oh, why did you do that? And it's like, it's in the past. What does it matter? And it's like, well, it still hurts. And Rafiki's like, well, the past still hurts, but. You have to make a choice of what you're going to do. Do you linger on the pain of the past or do you move forward? And it's like, that's an important character moment because it's like, it, it, narratively, it could have just been like Simba mm. coming into, yeah. confronting his own eternal guilt. Mm. You can get into like, you know, maybe the clouds weren't actually showing his father. Yeah. Maybe it's like him interjecting because if you wanted to get into like super stickler cinema sins kind of bullshit or whatever, you could say, you could say if that was the actual spirit of Mufasa. Oh, Jesus. if I was Mufasa, I would say shit like, Oh yeah, by the way, Scar, kill me. Thanks. Bye. Be the King. Love you. Bye. You know, <laughs> if it was the actual spirit, I think that would be the first thing Mufasa ought to tell his like, son. Your uncle killed me. Avenge me. Avenge me. Swear to me. 
Swear to me. I get it, though. As I said, it's a cinema things, whatever the fuck. But you can yeah. still make the argument where, like, maybe it's still something that Simba had to, like, deal with eternally. But Rafiki knocking some sense into him where it's like, hey, you got to move forward. You know, yeah, the past is I the mean, past, but you got to do I what mean, you got to do. I mean, that's essentially what, uh, what Nala is, because... Because <laughs> again, I like I thought I was like I, I like found myself laughing like at the dialogue between Nala and Donald Glover because you know the two like the two personalities that are voicing it. Mm-hmm. It's like you can picture Donald Glover being like a slacker and a stoner, and Nala, you know, and Beyonce, you know, you listen to the countless of song like irreplaceable and all that stuff where. You know, she's like always telling, like telling some dude that you need to get your shit together. Yeah, and and it's just, and it's just, you know, just them bickering. It, it, it's like it's just almost on like on like comedic levels where, yeah, where it's like there's some dissonance, um, like in the scenes. It, it it it's it's just there's. It gets into the conversation, right, where in your effort to make things so realistic, you lose sight of the fact almost that what you're trying to do as a film is trying to show something that people can't be able to get in reality. You know, like, um, I I don't have my phone next to me, but I saw this really great interchange, respectively, with uh, Alfred Hitchcock, where Mm -hmm. he brought up that, you know, the effort to try to make something realistic is ultimately going to be antithetical to the pursuit of art. Because what you're trying to accomplish with art and cinema and film is to present something that is not perceptible within reality. That you can be able to show the angles and the shots that the human eye is not able to see. That you're able to present colors that can be able to communicate story in a way that things aren't able to do in reality. And if you're going to create a film that is so committed to being realistic that it ends up hemorrhaging the other aspects where, okay, you can't have the songs be actual musical numbers. Nah. All things considering. It's like, who could have a ton of fun, but like you're missing out like the actual like. Beats, you're missing them swinging on the vines. You're missing them right. being like the little like colors and the grooves yeah. and the actual like swinging their heads, but just again, being like all carefree. Like you can't do that shit because well, you they made did. them look so realistic. But, but, what's, but what's really funny is like after that, who could have been before now it showed up. Mm-hmm. Like you saw the bit what they did with uh, in the jungle tonight. Uh, I mean. Uh, the lion sleeps at night, where it's like you see the animals just prancing. It's like that's the and then, only and then you segment. See, that's the and only you see like Devon and Boomba, like you know, like just grooving to uh, grooving to the lion sleeps tonight. That's the only segment that felt like, oh, you guys can actually make like a musical beat with yeah. these characters. Wow, you're actually trying to do something that and, you can't just and that's, do. And that's by like, like, you the also killed the <laughs> and like again, and like and it killed in the audience. It's like it's. Like it, I, audiences, but again, love it. Audiences love this flick. You know the reviews weren't that great at all with it. You know it's at like fifty five on Rotten, but yeah. the crowds love it. They're into it. It goes into that really depressing point that I brought up in I want to say like a really early podcast, or maybe even one of our podcast pilots, mm-hmm. where. 
something that has really lingered with me to this day is we're a generation that is, you know, we, we grew up with the second, uh, we grew up with the Renaissance for Disney animation. You know, we've grown up with Aladdin, with Beauty and the Beast, with Little Mermaid, with, of course, Lion King, and even later stages, you know, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan, all that stuff. And, you know, and we also grew up with, like, adult animation mm. with stuff like Simpsons, uh, South Park, Family yeah. Guy, you know, we, we, we saw any of the MTV stuff, the Liquid TV stuff. Yeah. We had that, you know, where it's like we had, like, a greater appreciation for animation because we were able to grow up with content where, like, people were able to, like, really expand it. Yeah. The big thing is that I've seen the analysis that the reason why these live-action remakes do so well, as flawed as they can be, the reason why they do so well is that the theory is that as much as we appreciated those animated films in our youth, we still associate them as kids' films. And the reason why these remakes do well is that it's still a way for a lot of people our age and other ages to be able to watch something but not feel like they're seeing a kid's movie. But see, I'd still call that theory, like, I'd still call it bull because, because, I mean, I, I mean, like, the fact that, like, the original Beauty and Beast got an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. It did. You, it you, 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 mean, you mean to tell me that, that, like, a movie, like, uh, that animation that's for kids, like, that was, like, that was a big deal at the time because, like, again, it's, it was one of those things where, where, a bit of, where it doesn't like I want to say it doesn't feel like a child like it doesn't feel like a children's cart even with the Little Mermaid uh, like starting with the Little Mermaid it's a classical uh, like, it's a classical well, musical at yeah, the end of the day yeah but it's a classical musical that happens yeah. to be animated and you know but what I'm top, about to get into no but hang on but hang on but on top of, but on top of that I mean look at the movies that were before it they were talking animals and they were like 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 kids. Like kid stuff. So when you see like you know the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, you know like like char- like you know like actual like characters making choices and doing it like doing things that normal adults do. Something like stuff that they did in the early Renaissance with like Cinderella and so forth. Yeah, like that. Like like again, it, it's it's one of those things where where it's just a short side like it's just short sidedness and it's exploitive like that's and like the fact that that the audience like i guess it's just the audience just doesn't care like they really or don't it's care they don't i think as as the fact that yeah beauty and the beast was able to get that acclaim but the fact that it was able to get it at a time where i think it was able to capture the cultural zen guys at the moment where people were able to realize, oh, wow, animated films can be this good, you know, because like because like it took a lot of goodwill from, you know, that and Little Mermaid, respectively. And mm. of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where it's yeah. like animation had to resell itself to the mass public. And the fact that it was able to capture that mm. moment, you know, I, I think is more representative of how audiences were at that time as opposed to necessarily appreciating what animation was able to do to make a film 
like Beauty and the Beast possible? And my layway into that is, of course, the fucking Cats trailer. Is that... Oh, God. Remember, Spielberg, and Spielberg, I saw. Spielberg yeah, is I actually... Saw the, I he's saw a the producer. He's a producer for he this does, one. He has so rights to the... He had, he had like, like, something tells me that he yeah, still, like, still retained rights to the movie. Yeah, no, he's listed as a producer just yeah, because, like... Rights. Spielberg, just for some background information, Spielberg... Spielberg had probably the right idea, where it's like, hey, it would probably be really weird to see a film with costumed humans dressed up as like flamboyant cats and he thought of the most obvious thing why don't we make it animated why don't we actually just have them be cats you know and um cartoon brew reshared images from uh um concept art that nico martin yeah nico martin went of course to be the concept designer for uh kung fu panda and Mm -hmm. how to train a dragon and it's like when you think about it that format Makes a lot of sense for yeah. cats because it avoids the issue of, you know, seeing weird humanoid freakish, you yeah. know, hybrids and you still make them cats. You can have like superb musical ridiculous numbers yeah. and all that stuff that's possible with the 2D animated film. It's just what happened is that Cats Don't Dance happened. That bombed yeah. mostly due to Disney like basically just like buying up all the TV spots and newspaper spots. <laughs> like uh, like Disney was super cutthroat with oh, cats yeah. cats don't dance where it's like, oh, you wanna advertise your movie? <laughs> Too bad, motherfuckers. Like nobody knew that fucking movie even came out and they bought up all the all like, the well, yeah, no, like Disney, They sold like toys at Subway. They sold the toys at Subway, Reg, and this was, like, even before Jared, so Subway wasn't even, like, a significant fast food chain at this point. Yeah, I don't remember the toys or anything. I, like, all, all I remember about Castle Dance was when it, when they advertised on video. Like, that's, it was always, yeah. I thought it was always, like, a direct-to-video movie for some odd reason. I didn't know it had, like, a theatrical release. Yeah, and, and, when, and I guess, like, the main point that I'm, uh, main point that I'm trying to make is that like I, I think it's just like as important as the Disney Renaissance was for bringing animation back up as an art form I think I think at the end of the day I don't think it did and this is mostly due to practices that Disney did as cutthroat as they were where it's like if there was any other type of like animated film they were absolute bastards about it. Yeah. So the only people that was able to dictate what animation could be in this country was basically Disney. And yeah. even though CGI came around, where you have people like DreamWorks, Blue Sky, eventually Illumination being able to pop up. Unfortunately, the reason why they were able to pop up is because CG animation is a cheaper alternative to 2D animation. Really? And, well, I mean, and, like, and that, he, like... It, People thought it was a cheaper alternative, but... Well, now it's not anymore, except Illumination knows how to keep their fucking budgets down. Again, they, they keep that That's because tight. because everything is done outside of the United States, except for your story artists. Like, anything that's story is in the U.S., all production's outside. Yeah, and and you would think, and, man, it, 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 it it's such a bummer with, with something like that. It, it's just... 
Animation, just in general, I feel like has had like a rough week, at least in my mind, just like when I'm trying to think about the state of the medium, where it's like, you have a film that can't even call itself animation because mm-hmm. it doesn't want to come across as like a kiddie cartoon because it wants to be recognized for its photorealism, you know, as opposed to like, even though it's like completely cutting off like any Again. of the actual acclaim that I can give to the animators because it is a beautiful breathtaking breathtakingly rendered film yeah, as much of the issue that I can have with like basic shit like emotion and color at the end of the day the actual rendering is outstanding yeah but they can't even like you can't even be like oh they anim- um I mean uh use yeah. the virtual camera to be able to again to, to again. film these photorealistic characters if you want the person to blame blame it on camera because James Cam, uh, like again, James Cameron, when he created, uh, like when he created Avatar, yeah, he was such a fucking stickler. Like, I want to say, well, again, like by Academy standards, I'm like by Academy stand, like again, by Academy War standards, what consider an animated film, yeah, feature film is eighty percent of your movie has to be like animated. So yeah, fucking ninety like, percent of Avatar is CGI. Let's be honest. Fucking 90%. Well, again, it's a, like, there's a lot of visual effects and a lot of digital Im- imagery, but your main characters, yes. Like, again. Because here's some inside information, ladies and gentlemen. As incredible as the mocap was, a lot of it was also and just straight up CGI animated. Just saying. Again. Like, like certain segments where it's like, they're like, oh, wow, they have people act that, and it's like, eh. Again, Somebody like, had to like animate the walking cycle and shit. Like, Not uh, some of those segments were an actual, actual fucking mocap, you know. But they had to sell the technology. They have to sell how incredible and mesmerizing. Again, this fucking I, like you look at. I mean, like you look at movies like Avatar, Planet of the Apes, even the jump, like the, the movie uh, that John Favreau did before, the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. All of them, all of them feature animated characters, but uh, animated characters. And technically, they could, they could put themselves up as best animated feature, but they wanted to be taken seriously. Like they want to be by taken the seriously. public by the academy, which yeah. which sucks for the art form. Like as I said, you got that with the Lion King. You got the fucking Cats trailer where it's just like you know, the the fact that like they are so adverse to use in the medium that would make the most sense to make a film like this work okay. in the first place. Okay. You so, know? So, here's my, like, here's my problem with Cats. And, again, it's also the problem with The Lion King. The character is, is like, The Lion King, the, all the animals were naturalistic, but for, but for Cats, the character designs is shit. It's just bad design. It's, well, again, it's like, you can have like you can, you, you, you can have you can have like 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 you can have like you know like like the furry like you know like anthropomorphic cats. It goes to but, like but if, if again, it's CG. But, but here's, but here's yeah. the thing. My problem with it is is it feels that it feels like they they decided just it looks like bad Photoshop jobs where they just simply just put the actors on cat bodies and then try to massage their face in, in, into the bodies, which doesn't, like, which why doesn't do match still, well. Why do you still make it look like they're wearing cat suits if I'm sure the whole reason you made it CG was so you wouldn't have to put them in cat suits? 
The weirdest thing is that so many of them don't have like a lot of hair. Like it still looks like skin tight suits and it's yeah. like, but you have CG. You yeah. can make some of them poofy. You can make some of them like fluffy. Oh, like the like Rebel Wilson. She looked weird because it like, looks yeah. like Rebel. It looks like Rebel, Rebel Wilson, Wilson in is, a skin tight suit. Yeah, as opposed to like, why couldn't you make her look like a poofy, long haired like again coot or again, something? Again. You literally have a medium where you can make any fucking possible decision for how these characters look, and you still decide to make them look. Like again, you got rendered. filmmakers, but again, you got a ton of filmmakers that never came that they are not from animation. They're not it's, artists. It's like the fucking Tim they're, and Eric. It's like the Tim and Eric episode where like the yeah. the, the, the spaghetti, spaghetti, yeah. Yeah. like where it shows them like making the movie with Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. and it shows like Tim in like the green suit, like spaghetti thing, and it's like, oh yeah, they're gonna all do this in post, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, why wouldn't they just like? Make give you the costume that you've used if you're just gonna look like spaghetti, and it's like, oh well, it's some um, higher up stuff. It's like that kind of bullshit. It's like, see, it's but, insane. But, but here's the thing: the thing, like my my issue is is if you were going to do people in cat suits, you might as well put like hire somebody like Rick Baker because like I would like like his his makeup effects. The makeup and the costume work would be fucking phenomenal. Like, what if you, if you actually hire these art, like hire the artist to do it? But I know sometimes makeup takes too long. It's hard to move move around, and I'm assuming because in the advertisers, they're, 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 well, well, again, they were, I'm assuming that because in the like in the advertisers, they, they say like, oh yeah, like this dancing is choreographed by this um, like renowned choreographer. I'm assuming that the mocap, I mean, um, you know, if they want to do act, like actual, like, you know, like hard numbers, having people in cat suits, I mean, in cat costumes and full makeup will make make the uh, choreography difficult. Uh-huh. So I understand why, why they opt for mocap. But... Except, but, Reg, you say that it's you, difficult to do choreography, except cats was literally... Up to Phantom of the Opera breaking it was the longest running show in Broadway history. Clearly, they were able to do choreography just fine for uh, that production in those kind of costumes, no matter again, how crazy and fluffy again, you were. Again, you're on stage, dude. Like, again, you're on stage, dude. Like, like again, it's easy to suspend your disbelief on the stage. Like film makeup, like it's a little more different because like that aware, sh- that, that shit aware. will break. Like again, if you having these act, if you have these, you know, your actors doing all these takes, and and if it's like really intense, like shit is going to break down. And again, you have like and and on top of that, you, with Ian McKellen and Judy Dench, I'm sure they didn't want to sit three hours trying to put on like cat makeup. Um, they're they've been professional stage actors. I'm sure they would fucking but be fine with again, that. Like, no, the people, up, the the people like, that would be a bother about that would be like Taylor Swift and Jason Derulo. Like, Ian McKellen and Judy Dench, they're fucking professionals. They will fucking take as long as they need to for that kind of shit because, you know what? They're fucking actors. Taylor Swift and Jason Derulo, they're like, oh, you could just CGI the costume on me, right? Okay, cool. All right, let's do this. It's like Jason Derulo to us, but that's like why. That's Rum Dum Tucker. 
Oh God! I like I never saw the musical. It's like, like I'm just, like, does anyone listen to Jason Derulo songs? Why would you have him as Rum like you know a renowned character in the Red, show? Rum Tum Tugger's song is basically like, oh yeah, this cat loves to fuck. That's basically the song, Rich. That's what Rum Tum Tugger is about. It's like, oh yeah, I like to fuck. All right, who's next? Who else is introducing themselves? Okay, and then you got McCavity. Fucking is I just Alba with a fur fucking Oh no, he's cat daddy. Like he's he is cat daddy. Oh, I immediately saw the Tom and Jer- the I just Alba and Tom and Jerry fucking me yeah, rolling it like creeping through the fucking door meme. I immediately fucking saw that shit. <laughs> oh, oh no, this God. movie this movie like no nah, the memes, I am gonna be hammered, are- it comes around. They have the fucking balls to release this thing the same day as Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and then the same day as, as the new Star Wars. As a Star Same fucking day. Same day as Star Wars? Same day as Star Wars. They're that Holy confident. shit. I'm, do- I'm doing quotes here. They're that oh, fucking should, confident. Should, uh, I will, I'll still be in town. We should do double ha- like we should do like a double feature. Uh no, because I want to be pretty hammered when I watch No, that, we watch so. we watch Skywalker first and then Pre-game and then come right back for cats. Mm, I, I I gotta go straight into cats, Rich. I'm sorry. You, you want to go straight into it? straight into it? Why? I got I got I got It's it's cats. I'm already gonna be dealing with emotions and shit with Rise of Skywalker. I don't want that to like interfere with like the purity shit fest that I'm trying to prepare my sword <laughs> for. So, anywho, uh, I figure that's a good cutoff point. Um, yeah. You know, we 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 have this just this quackmire about the medium and everything going on and i don't know if if there's a silver lining with this whole thing i think that something like lion king kind of shows that if cgi can be able to get like this good looking ultimately then hopefully people can be able to take the resources of that and use it in a way to actually be able to make a compelling emotional fucking actual visually enthralling thing beyond Again, just like trying to show how realistic you can make something. Uh, honestly, I mean, like I've already, I mean, it's already been done like countless of times. I mean, like before, like, I mean, shit, before the Lion King, you had the Jungle Book and then like the Planet of the Apes trilogy. I mean, really, we know, really, we know like, the graphics are there. We know you can look good. It's the same shit well, that. Well, it, I mean, like, but again, like what what Planet of the Apes, and which makes me angry that like Planet of the like War of the Planet of the Apes didn't get uh, didn't like get so much recognition. I mean, there is a reason why Planet like the reason why the Planet of the Apes doesn't get that much recognition is like for all the character work that they did. I mean. I mean, like, for three whole movies, they make you believe that, like, Caesar and, like, you know, you, like, really feel for that ape. Yeah. Like, as you, like, you know, as he goes, through, uh, like, goes on this, like, journey. But. And it's almost like animation is a very powerful medium that is very capable of doing some incredible things when it comes to storytelling, when it comes to being able to make you believe in something. And. I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to be the good sport. I don't want to be cynical, but it's like I'm, I'm just hoping that, like, okay, we knew, we know the tools are there. Just fucking try to do something that's just like not this literal eighty percent half-ass 
soulless, colorless interpretation of a prior I mean, film. The, the movie that I saw before was Dumbo, and like that one has like a whole nother. I, appre- I appreciated Dumbo more you, than this fucking thing. <laughs> Because Dumbo, Dumbo is just messy and nothing. It's just you could clearly see that like they were trying to like make something work. It just didn't like, work it, whatsoever. It didn't like it. I mean, even Renegade Cut was like pointing out that like they tr- like you know they kind of poke fun at capitalism, but really it's like you know like with the whole part with uh, yeah. Michael Keaton's character and, and like the. Disney, yeah, like, Lion King, like Disney the Lion stuff. King remake, I feel, is just the most cynical, cynical endpoint for all of it. Where it, 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 it's proof is in the pudding. It shows that you can literally just do this. You know, you you do it in a format where you almost, I, I guarantee, they have to tell the voice actors to like, don't be too emotional. It's going to look weird. Because we've made these creatures look so realistic. Mm-hmm. When you have to inhibit your creativity to the point where you affect the story that you're telling, and you still get rewarded with the biggest opening of all time for an animated film. You still get rewarded with it. And it's gonna have crazy legs because the audiences still fucking yeah. they enjoyed the fucking thing. They still loved the fucking thing because it's the songs that we grew and we loved. Fell in love with, and even with the literal creative in inhibiting of it, yeah. it, it's just it's. I don't know. It's a bummer. It's a fucking bummer. <laughs> I mean, okay. again, I was reading like a couple of headlines, and like there's uh, like DreamWorks. Uh, I mean, DreamWorks Abominable is. Like is primed to be like the game, like either a game changer or the one that's going to like be a tough competition to Toy Story 4. And so like, like really there's that kind of buzz for that one? There's that kind of buzz. I'll like, say that I, that one bums me out because it's like, oh great, DreamWorks basically has to like co-produce films now if they want to do something that's not going to be like Illumination ran yeah. or like a fucking Boss Baby or a Trolls sequel, you know? Like, like that's kind of like a bummer in its own way. So the fact that like it has some buzz is pretty yeah. I think surprising. It's, I think it's playing at uh, the Toronto Film Festival. Fuck wow, really? Right. Yeah. So uh, either oh, no, so that's either. it. So yeah, that's uh, us closing off. Uh, July, we only have one more film. It's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I- I'm still going ahead with saying that I'll probably get the forty mil. Reg, are you still lowballing at twenty five? million you were thinking yes okay cool so yeah yeah, I think, our, uh, I think, yeah uh, if i still have the paper i think i still got it yeah so uh yeah our next episode will be our august uh box office oh. preview all that fun stuff there's a lot of films that i honestly have no fucking idea is how i'm gonna do so it's gonna be more fun just of uh, us observing what this stuff is so or uh, or or to ask what's what, what why hollywood because it's like Hobbs and Shaw, I get it, but the trailer just makes that movie like it still makes you want to see it. Okay, so get, get ready, get ready for our predictions for Dora the Explorer. So <laughs> it's it's gonna be a fun time, people. So um, thank you again so much. Uh, sorry that like uh, the episodes have had more space between them. Just you know, life can be. I'm getting married. 
prepping for all that kind of good stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, have our August box office preview next week. Thank you, everybody that has been listening so far. You can be able to hear us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, mm-hmm. and on SoundCloud. So uh, thank you so much. Stay hydrated with the heat wave out there. If you're asking what the buzz has been in the back, it's the AC unit that I've rigged in my apartment. Like, I can't turn it off, otherwise we would just die for heat stroke. It's that warm right now, but it's not as warm as it is. So stay hydrated, drink your water, and have a safe weekend. This is Robert signing off. All right. Goodbye, everyone. This is Reggie. All right. All right.